1: real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
2: welcome to the inspired evolution I'm your humble host Amrit Sandhu and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow our mission here is simple it's for you to live your purpose live your best life live the life you love this podcast is sponsored by enthusiasm for life by great creation itself to keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself do us a solid subscribe to the inspired evolution podcast on youtube the home of the inspired evolution podcast now sit back relax open your mind open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired keep evolving Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is an embodied treat for us to be here today. We have with us, Mark Walsh. Mark, how are you there, brother?
3: Pleasure to be here. I liked your intro there. That was fun. I never (laughs) saw anyone do that before on the podcast, so I'm already happy. I've really we should apologize for it on YouTube for the 1980s time warp, which seems to be my background. <laughs> the Airbnb, I in, and somehow I didn't coordinate the Airbnb with my shirt. So, you know, it's off to <laughs>
2: We're going back to the future, <laughs> is what you're saying, mate. You look great. I really appreciate having you here today. For those that are tuning into Mark for the first time, man. It's uh it's it's I don't know say it's tough to do the honors, but there's a lot in here. Background in psychology, training and facilitation for leading organizations. We're looking at Shell, IKEA, Virgin Atlantic, L'Oreal. He's taught embodiment work in over thirty different countries. He's done numerous keynotes on the topic. Um, he's got a background with I think it's 20 plus years of a keto training now. Um, There's a lot, there's a lot that you've been up to in the world, but uh, go check out his Instagram. He is Mr. Embodiment. Um, And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today, Mark. Now, the key thing um, where I wanted to sort of start was, do you ever look back at the version of yourself that was like 10 or 12 and go, ah, that's why I got like that's why I'm Mr. Embodiment today. Like what was what was that kid like that is now Mr. Embodiment in 2022? Yeah,
3: when I interview people, I've started asking, you know, what deep childhood trauma led you to do what you do now? <laughs> and I almost as a joke. And are so many people are answering that. Um, yeah. I mean, I grew up I grew up in a screwed up family where everyone was crazy mm. and I uh, grew up in an alcoholic family. So that was mm. definitely an influence there. And also I was kind of bright as a kid, cognitively. Yep. And I you know, school was really easy for me, despite, mm. you know, stuff going on at home. And what I realized was like, hey, I was reading all these books, I was speed mm. reading and just going through it. And it wasn't helping,
4: mm.
3: you know, by 12, 13, I was suicidal, alcoholic a few years later. And by the time I went to university where people said, hey, this is, this is the peak, you know, you go to school, you go to sixth form, you go to uni. And I was like, well, something else has got to be going on. And I think it came from that childhood of just, you know, from a family of teachers, but a pretty screwed up one. And thinking, well, there must be something more than just having a big brain and reading lots of books.
2: Mm. Mm. I find that really interesting because, um, yeah, there's a there's a few pieces in there in terms of, I think, from this point, understanding what embodiment really is. Because, yeah, I I think, every, like, not everybody's had... Trouble in childhoods, but there's definitely, you know, something that sort of lets the, the light in, as Rumi puts it, the cracks are where the light gets in, um, you know, and everybody has that in their childhood a little bit. Um, not to sorry, belittle what you've gone through and to sort of say, you know, how does, what does embodiment mean to you then in terms of how do you find those two things stitching in together so that challenges that you've had. Um, what does embodiment mean and how is that the antidote to some of the stuff that you've gone through?
3: You could look at that childhood situation I was in as a microcosm of the macrocosm of the world now. Mm. So, you know, mental health issues, relational issues, addiction issues, mm. that sounds like whatever you see when you walk out the door in, you know, London, Melbourne, New York, wherever. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, hypercognitive,
4: mm. uh,
3: super clever, mm. S- reading, reading a lot, lots of information. And somehow Wikipedia hasn't solved the world's problems any more than the Encyclopedia Britannica did when I was 12. (laughs) So I think microcosm of a macrocosm there, which is kind of like, uh, you know, I got into it. I studied through the martial arts. So, you know, moved to yoga, conscious dance, body therapy, trauma work, all this stuff I do now, you know, right through to training coaches and being in Ukraine this year, you know, the whole story of it. It's um, the thread is like, well, thinking ain't going to get us out of this mess.
2: Mm. And so is that what you're alluding to in terms of you are you are super intelligent, um, growing up obviously cognitive and you know doing well at school and all that. Um, however, you found that there were still all these challenges, uh, emotional challenges, mental health challenges that were present for you. And embodiment sort of presented itself as a different type of intelligence.
3: Yeah, so I think there's lots of definitions of embodiment. One I like is a type of intelligence. You know i actually break it down into having sort of eight different skill sets within that four main ones and um we can get smarter at that so for example when i first walked into an aikido school i thought i was pretty smart but it turned mm. out i was actually pretty dumb in a lot of ways and i'd already been proving that with my chosen lifestyles so mm. you know in terms of addiction and things like this so i realized that the types of intelligence i was most interested in uh emotional intelligence spiritual intelligence intuitive intelligence relational intelligence I realized that really these are all subsets of embodied intelligence. Oh. That our body is not just a piece of meat. You know, I thought the body is just something that carried my head around from class to class in school. Isn't like it? <laughs> <mindset>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not. getting there a little bit. Yeah. So I realized there was a whole other way to be smart. And I wanted in on that because I was rubbish at it at first. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember being an absolute, you know, really struggling with that first Aikido class. And then quickly realizing like, hey, this has given me a lot of benefits in my life. This has given me a lot of practical tools. This has given me, connecting me to myself more abstractly. Uh I remember kind of going, ah, okay. So what do I do when I'm stressed? Can I think my way out of it? Probably not. Mm. Can I do a quick breathing exercise? Sure. I just learned that. That's easy. Um uh, You know, when I, I was teaching someone yesterday as a coach and she's like, well, how do I explain this to other coaches? You know, uh, I said, well, it's a shortcut. It's, it's a mm. way to change your state it's a way to bring awareness to who you are it's a way to tune into empathy for other people and you know if mm-hmm. you're interested in leadership and that narrative it's definitely part of that
2: yeah so is it because it does when when i hear the word embodiment it does have connotations of physiology is it coming back into harnessing the intelligence of your physiology is that really what it's if i had to uh, make it succinct is that what we're coming back to
3: Sometimes I say coming home to the body. I like the mm. sort of bit, slightly poetic version of that. Mm. Um, when we think physiology, we still think object, right? Like you go mm. to the doctor and maybe they draw blood or they do a blood pressure test or they do a scam. So you can look at the body as an object. However, your body is fundamentally different than a chair, mm. right? Like when you touch someone's arm, they say you're touching them. I mean, why are' mm. you touching my arm, we'd say, right? but we don't mean yeah. my arm like I mean my pen. We understand that the body is part of us. So sometimes the field is described as the subjective study of the body, right And that just means the body is an aspect of who we are, which is sort of common sense, right? Like a kid actually gets that, a dog mm. gets that. if there's a reason you know things like consent exist with bodies and not so much with chairs. the body is ethical you know this is this is in a way just obvious but then you can study it and get more in detail and develop yeah no it's i think it's i think
2: it's a useful conversation yeah
3: yeah so another category another way of talking about it sometimes is just as a field of study that brings together the body mind arts So we kind of need some kind of a word like yoga. Well, it's about awareness, but so is martial arts. And they're they're not just about physicality, right? Not just about exercise. Hmm. There's some sense that we're developing ourselves through these arts, what the Japanese would call a do, like Aikido or Karate Do or Judo. Hmm. That concept, we develop ourselves through the body because it's one of the most accessible ways to develop ourselves. And not just physically, though there's nothing wrong with that, you know, you could do some pull-ups and get some bigger biceps or something, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But in the embodied arts, whether that be, you know, everything from improv comedy to psychobody psychotherapy, we're developing ourselves as people through the body. Mm. Um, and that differentiates it from physical exercise, for example.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because you also mentioned that the um, this development through the body is linked into some of these other intelligence that you referred to, which was emotional, intuitive, spiritual. Can you explain that that link? Because I don't think that's as intuitive for people that are tuning in.
3: Okay, so emotional intelligence, super important for happiness, super important mm-hmm. for career success, you know, studies on this, various places. Um, how do you know you're having an emotion, right? Well, it's in the body you need body awareness. So body awareness is one of the key foundations.
2: I've heard yeah, people say this and they usually try and get you to isolate where the emotion is in your body. Can you describe that? Is that a process that you you go through? Like, is that it's like, okay, I'm feeling angry. Like, do you tune in and go, yeah. where am I feeling this in my body? Is that yeah.
3: a question? So, so I actually asked the question, how are you doing that? So this comes from one of my teachers, Paul Linden. So mm-hmm. if someone says I'm angry, I'm like, well, how are you doing that? there's a there's a way in which you are pre- making anger, you're constructing <laughs> it, right? Like, <laughs> right. By being angry while soft and open and leaning back, it's it's pretty difficult. to just try being depressed while you're doing star jumps, you know. Or try being depressed <laughs> while <you're trampoline. laughs> ah. All Right. So so, so, so now emotion is a little bit more than that because there's a sort of emergent kind of gestalt quality to it. So it's not just reducible to. Yes, when you're angry, your eyes are tight, your jaw is tense, your belly is tense, your breath may be more shallow and in the chest. We could go for every body part Mm. and look at how anger is generally done. Though we need to be careful because what you're calling anger, I might call rage, what I call rage, you might call fierceness. So Mm. that the subject, the label that's put on that, we may be talking about different things. What we can say is, is this more or less useful? Mm. So looking at that fight or flight response, you know there's not many times I think you know what would have really helped last night when I had a difficult conversation with my wife about whether we're going to live in Portugal or not if I'd have been more annoyed and angry that would have been <laughs> <laughs> now there are instances where anger can get people out of depression or <laughs> powerlessness oh, oh, and- <laughs> also telling me something right so if I'm angry I want to get the message it's like the the bell's ringing like why am I angry well something's being violated you know some of my values is being crossed here yeah and so it's useful to you know to to emotional intelligence to feel that get the message but then also maybe to regulate it Mm. so there's the emotional awareness but there's emotional regulation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now everyone can do that to an extent because we're not toddlers Right. Like I was at a pretty cool, fun, hippie dance party last night where everyone was screaming and shouting. But, th- you know, that was a choice to be expressive. All those people have the ability to, you know, they're not two year olds who throw themselves on the floor in the supermarket when they don't get some sweets or something. Mm. So like self-regulation would be a must. That's one of the main things I teach leaders. I teach coaches, you know, when coaches are working with a client and about you, but nine out of your coach as well, like nine mm. out of ten times my client turns up and they are what's technically known as all fucked up frazzled they're 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 stressed they're anxious they're over so the first thing i'm like okay you know amrit john whatever put your feet on the floor like you did before this interview which was so nice to see and by the way i've been interviewed many times it's the first time I've seen a host actually do what I would call centering before an interview <laughs> <laughs> like you want to be in your best place right like you're like you're doing a podcast you want to be mm. in a good spot or like we had a bit of a problem with the wi-fi before and I started to go <gasps> that panic started to set in and oh my god I want to do this interview what the hell's going on is it my wife fi was and then just oh. ah yeah. all right let's probably nothing let's just wait five minutes it'll be fine mm. Mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, thank you for that reflection. I uh, I often do wonder how kooky I come across <laughs> for, for the guests. <laughs> I love how you come across. That's
3: embodied, right? The amritness. Like, I don't know you. I've just listened to a couple of podcasts about you, too. but your
2: personality is embodied oh touch thank you for that kind of reflection my, my well, I and, say everyone, right? <laughs> and
3: this is where we come to leadership or empathy like i'm receiving that from you i'm feeling that mm-hmm. you know like i'm being upregulated, and you kind of bring like it's kind of late here in portugal mm-hmm. and it's actually really nice to be with someone who's kind of like oh, okay it's fun and it, you know makes me upbeat, <laughs> keeps me awake and then yeah. it's like leadership as well it's like well how do I want to influence people? Cause that's through the body.
2: Yeah. So there's this really interesting concept that's come to me recently, which is, and it's something I've been trying to, Oh, I've, I've been trying, I have been articulating it from stage in talks before. Um, and I love it. There's only a few audiences where I've been able to really drop in and sort of speak to that. Um, and ironically it comes up usually at the sales part <laughs> of like the, uh, the conversation, which Anyway, I'm, dig- I'm digressing into too, too deeply into context. Um, but this this concept of, I don't know if the word harage means anything to you, but it's this word, um, and I think it's from the Japanese culture. I might be completely wrong, in which case, please pardon me. Um, but I came across it recently, and it talks about how we commute, it, it, it defines basically, the concept behind the word is, we're to- like the communication that's coming through beyond the words and potentially beyond even the body, it's more state communicating to you, your state right. yeah, communicating to you. Yeah. Yeah. You're smiling. Tell me <laughs> what's, what's firing what's in what your head. Time, man. Yeah.
3: That's what we're doing all the time. Like I do this fun thing where I, I do talks and some hundreds, a couple of thousand people sometimes, and I'll say, right, everyone touch your knees and I'll touch my elbows And I'll say everyone touch knees and everyone will touch their elbows because they don't Mm -hmm. listen to the words. They listen to the body. Yeah. Right. You get it. So it's also like this is what we know. This is how we flirt. This is how we make each other laugh. You know, like I was on a a train and there was a kid, two kids there and they met each other and one spoke Russian and one spoke Ukrainian
4: Mm.
3: and they they tried to speak to each other but they couldn't understand each other because those languages, you know, pretty different. And then they just started playing and they just run off being happy playing together. Like, no mm-hmm. problem. Like, that's instinctive. you know, a dog knows if it's dominant or you want to play or you're scared. yeah. Like, that's an instinctive. Yeah. And it's going on for human beings. And as as coaches, like, how we impact people, how we leave them feeling, this is just huge. It's just huge. The words is just the top little bit.
2: Yeah, I think that's the really interesting part of it. The way I was describing it before I had the word harage was – you know and i used to say in my sales he's like i know all the sales tactics i know if you if i get you to raise your hand your hands already up you've already got one yes if i get you to stand up that's a second yes if i get you to move to the back of the room that's a third yes and you're in <laughs> like, i've done all those trainings and oh my god part of me hates him um and then there's that honest truth in me which is like part of me hates it and so i literally just stand up there and go look guys i could totally do that to you but if coaching's for you it's for you if it's not it's not for you and this is probably the worst sales pitch ever But if I came to you from any other place, in your Bluetooth, infrared, Wi-Fi frequencies of your human awareness, you can pick up on the fact that I'm trying to do something sleazy that's not aligned with me. So I'm not even going (laughs) to bother. I'm just going to do me. People are smart. People feel it. And we don't give them credit for that. We don't give them credit for that, right? Like their intuitive systems actually really know.
3: Like people ask, you know, what's the best charp line? And it's like, Hello you know like I like your <laughs> face what's your name it doesn't matter it
4: doesn't matter
3: it's like that's yeah. it so yeah for sure people feel when there's manipulation they feel mm. when there's aggression and you know we've got to be careful with that because there's also prejudices there's trauma you know there's other things mm. kind of in that mix but you know we do have a wisdom there
2: but then also to take that conversation further you just um, mentioned like being I'll use your word centering or being centered or being embodied helps you not be in this sort of like vibrating in a place where you're a bit more reactive to said other person's trauma or other person's story or you're you're less reactive when you're embodied, would you say?
3: Yeah, so we're all unconsciously embodied, right? We all have a way of being, which is a pattern, a set of habits, which is held together by how we breathe, move, stand. Mm. And that affects how we think, perceive, relate, lead, love, parent, whatever. So we Mm. all have that. And mm-hmm. why did you just say you could pick apart for a few days? You know, that we have, we're unconsciously embodied and it impacts all these areas. Mm-hmm. However, we can become consciously embodied so we can start actually feeling how we are. So you're not the guy who's saying, I'm not angry. You know, <laughs> dude, kind look angry, sound angry. Like you're acting angry. You're about to punch me. So, you know,
4: you know, so we can build some
3: self awareness of, of state and trait traits Mm. invisible right state you can feel that's emotion like oh i'm a bit tired or hey i'm enjoying this interview um trait is like that's the like your underpants that you can't feel anymore because they're comfortable or Mm. the taste of your own mouth you know that takes another set of embodiment techniques to become aware of that and once we're aware of those things we can change them like states Mm. really is it change? trait takes practice and time right it takes discipline um now, in terms of like agitation, so fight flight response, you know, many listeners I'm sure have heard of pretty common to talk about stress, <laughs> suffering, the Buddha called it. There's lots of ways to talk about it. And um, that's just often not very helpful. Now, you can sell, let's go back to your sales example. You can sell to people by making them scared, right? Yeah. Buy this bleach or your kids will die. You know, you you know, if you don't have, if you have dandruff, then everyone will hate you and you won't ever get love. Or you can sell to people by making them more and more relaxed, more and more connected, and then actually going, is this like a good fit for you, genuinely? Mm. And the return rate's going to be a lot less on that second one. Mm. So, yeah, you can trick people to getting anxious and going to the back of the room and, you know, doing all that stuff, but you'll have a lot of refunds needed the next day.
4: hmm mm
3: right so my friend Ted Hargrave for example he does marketing for hippies really cool guy you know we we together kind of while he was interviewing me had this idea of like trauma sensitive marketing like doing marketing which isn't trying to make people more anxious Mm. and as a leader that's one of the main things we do like so I'm I'm teaching some trauma work in in Ukraine a few months ago
2: Tell us more about it. And
3: there's a bunch of people, like 100 people in the room, day one of the training, a couple of hours have gone by. It's going well, you know, teaching them about this topic they really want to learn about. It's fun, actually. A lot of good friends there. My wife's Ukrainian, so, you know, well-connected. Doing the training. And then there's an alarm, air alarm. So that means Russian rocket attack, basically. Jesus. And everyone immediately goes, ah! They hold their breath. Their anxiety comes up. Their eyebrows come up. They start looking around. And, I, you know, I'm in the front of the room, and then they look to me, right? Now, I'm scared, too right? Because, mm. you know, I've been in a few war zones, but this not for a while. And it's scary the first time in a while. So I just put my feet on the ground, standing down the front, bent my knees slightly, took a breath and said, okay, guys, take a breath. We know where the bomb shelter is. We've got three minutes. Let's walk there. No one's going to get hurt in a stampede. We take our time. We'll be there in three minutes easy. Yeah. And you could see the group just trust me more. Mm. It's like, okay, this guy's worth listening to. Yeah, you know, and that is the. Imagine you got an aeroplane and the pilot was like, "Hello, welcome to Qantas, and you know, <laughs> you on board. You'd be like, "Yeah, maybe I'll get another flight." You know, like it doesn't
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so the I I love that example because it's it's about being calm, controlled, centered. Do you think more and more leaders are tuning into the conversation of how important this is for them? Um, obviously, your work is thriving.
3: Yeah, I mean, mindfulness and emotional intelligence have really opened up the door. Yeah. So, you know, if mindfulness is awareness and embodiment awareness and choice. Mm-hmm. Then it's, it's great. It's it's built on that. My job has got so much easier. You know, I, I first started teaching corporates 15 or 16 years ago and I'd walk in, I'd, you know, teach them to meditate and they'd look at me like I was crazy. hippie. You know? <laughs> now they've all got an app and they've done it before. And I yeah, know that really. They might have missed the point, but at least they're pretty open to it. It's like, yeah. you know, John Cabot's him. God bless him, opened up the door and so many others. And um, I think they get the emotional intelligence. You know, they, they get in business that the guy with the MBA from Oxford or whatever isn't the best leader. Mm. They get that he might. Or, you know, a common one I get is that someone's got technical skills as a mm-hmm. banker, lawyer, doctor, whatever. They get promoted and all of a sudden they're managing people. Mm. And there's a whole skill set they just don't have.
2: Yeah. Right.
3: And they're in a tough position. I've, you know, I've got these guys in a room mm. and they're like, you know, why Super don't competent. people listen
2: to me? Super competent. <laughs> so yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. They've got another set of competencies that we got them there. And then they need this management or leadership competencies. So that's that's a pretty common one.
2: Okay. So let's go there because now we're talking about some of the softer skills that are in these leadership environments. And the key one that's circulating for me in this conversation or that's bubbling up is the word trust. Mm-hmm. And I think those are some of the things that are much more difficult to train. It's like, how do you build trust with others? Now there are hundred plus one sleazy tactics that you can do that. But then there's also like in this conversation, I think honoring the conversation and you know, what's available to us is how do you leverage embodiment training or how do you utilize embodiment training to learn to trust yourself better Learn to trust yourself yeah so that then you can encourage others to trust you because I'm sure I'm sure that's there's there's a there's a real link there that people can sort of listening to this podcast you're a certain type of audience you know what we're talking about like if you can trust yourself that frequency is then what you put out right and then people will be able to trust you better and you can like leadership is yes competency but also completely all about trust as well I'm, I'm hoping that people are aware of that dyad in um as well
3: yeah i mean leadership in terms of trust is about maybe three things competence reliability sincerity right so what people talk about trust talking about several things and then self and other yeah as you point out so in terms of reliability that's just built over time by doing what you say mm. right like, you know, my wife trusts me to do certain things and try not to do other things. Cause it's like, you know, I'm not a very good cook and she's had a few meals with me. And maybe it's like, she doesn't trust me to cook. <laughs> you no, know, I'm not, you know, she's, she knows I'm unreliable as a cook. Well, I'm reliable in other ways. Like I generally on time for stuff, but you know, like, like that's just over time you develop a reputation with others or with yourself. Mm. Right. And then sincerity is like, okay, does this person really mean it? Mm -hmm. And for me, that's not about like tricking someone into, you know, fake signals of congruence. It's about actually tuning in to myself and being, do I really mean it? (laughs) Do Mm -hmm. I really mean what I say? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And competence to some extent is signaled by relaxation. So why am I competent teaching embodiment? Because I've done it for years, tens of thousands of hours. Why am I not competent driving a car? just because i'm not very good at it and i'm you know haven't had much practice lately and so so i'm more relaxed while teaching embodiment than i am driving a car now Mm -hmm. i can use tricks and tools like centering to help me be more relaxed driving a car but the signaling of competence is from that relaxation and you you can tell that like the the top gangster is always the one sitting down eating an apple while everybody else is running around stressed out Mm -hmm. you know the top business guys is the one who's just sitting relaxed and then he maybe says something that's you know she says something that's impactful so i think trusts a few of those things but if we're not able to tune into ourselves how do we have any congruence how do we have any sincerity
2: hmm. and you mentioned tuning into ourselves is mostly state and trait is that safe to say
3: Yeah, so state would be like being aware of more of your body in more detail, more of the time, like we could define that rigorously, right. Mm. So you know, you can be more or less mindful, and more or less deeply and more or less consistently. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. that's that's the thing you can get better at. Like if, you know, I can tell by just being around you, you've done a bunch of practice of mindfulness, and you know, you can you're present to some degree. I get interviewed <laughs> by people that are up here in it <laughs> up here in their heads, and there's a whole nother experience.
4: <laughs> <laughs> touch me, touch. And
3: and then there's this trait, right, which we become aware <laughs> of usually through feedback or through contrasts. You know, I have poses I get people with like taking up space pose I was working with mm. today with someone that was lacking confidence and the first time they did it, they're just like, "I hate this. This feels wrong," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, because you're not used to driving on this side of the road. This is a new thing. You're on someone else's underpants right now." Yeah. So, you know, so we have the or we have a no pose. I teach boundaries a lot when I'm teaching coaches. You know,
2: what's no a pose?
3: A no pose. It's like a karate pose. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at the room I've got it here. I'm like people can YouTube search it. Yeah. a beautiful Ukrainian demonstrating it, but yeah. um let's put self view on just so i can see myself for the youtube people and i'll talk it through for the podcast people so this is a version of no pose we use you can't see the base which is like karate legs like yeah. strong wide stance now if someone has that feeling in their body they can embody no we all know how to, but if someone's got this feeling in their body oh no, hi. no i'm no, really not nice. Yes, to everything. Mm. Then it, it doesn't matter. Like you can teach them a seminar and they can read the book on the power of no. And you know, you can do all this stuff with them. Yeah. But they don't embody it. So yeah. they need to practice. They need to find that, either through something like martial arts or through a pose, or you know, through physical practices. You know, I have people doing push-ups and practicing that push and push away, you know, mm-hmm. like chaturanga and yoga. That's a chatteranga and yoga is a no, So push away, mm. push the planet yeah so it's in there it's in these traditional embodied practices but you know unless you've got 10 years and a lot of patience, you might not you know i can i can draw it out for people a lot quicker (laughs) yeah yeah
2: so i get state and you said trait is way more finicky
3: (laughs) well traits always happening but we're the ones who don't feel it everyone else it's like you the smell of your own crap you know everyone else
2: smells oh it, man it does smell pretty bad doesn't <laughs> <out of dodgy laughs> like it does smell pretty bad unless you had a dodgy curry i shouldn't have said that analogy i regret <laughs> i'm regretting
3: that i'm getting ossified. <laughs> let's say it's like the smell of your own house let's let's have that analogy. <laughs> you don't smell your own house until you go on holiday yeah. right yeah So, you know, so I went away there, then I came back to Brighton where I've been living and it's by the sea. And I was like, this house is moldy, it's damp. Mm. And I'm like, oh, it's always damp. A lot of damp houses where I come from. And it's like, but I wasn't aware of that until I came back from a dry country. So traits like that, we have to kind of step out of it by doing, Mm. you know, we do like four elements of practice or we'll do a few different like yes pose and no pose and say, which feels most familiar. Mm. And sometimes people say it depends because we're always embodied in relationship I'm embodied differently from you than my wife. We're embodied in context. You know, it's nine o'clock at night. I'm in Portugal. Mm-hmm. There's a cultural context. I am in. people say I'm more relaxed in Portugal than when I'm in New York, right? Yeah. A, we're embodied in place. Wonder why. <laughs> right, right. The, the embodiments around you, you're absorbing it. But we also have our own personal patterns. So embodiment includes this cultural element, you know, having taught all over the world. I'm fascinated by that.
2: Yeah. It includes
3: relational, like we're different embodiments with different people. Like I see my niece and I'm just immediately like getting down to play, you know, like, yeah. Hey, I'm a cool uncle, mom, it's, you know, it's just comes straight out. Whereas if that with my corporate clients, they might think I was a bit weird. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, all this
3: all is going on. The trade part is sort of invisible until we bring it out. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, that's the impact I'm having on everyone. Right. You know, I've, I've literally had managers sit down and be like, why is everyone scared of me in this company? What's their problem? And I'm like, well, can, mm. can I mirror back to you how you're speaking right now, mm. right? Like that's another way we can do it. We have people copy each other's walks, for example. Mm. And you see your walk and you just cringe, it's like, you know, when you first started doing YouTube, Amory. I don't know if you remember, but did you like
2: hear your own voice for the first time? Oh man, this is a game that I love to hate playing, <laughs> which is I go back to my and first like... I go back to my first episode and I look at it and I listen to it again and again actually. More than
4: yeah.
2: uh I don't know if how many people do this, but I go back and I listen and I use it as an inspirational tool actually for me. Man, that episode was uh, just like crawling out of the frame. Now. <laughs> it's just, like,
3: You've grown, uh, right? Like I'm imagining uh, you're way more relaxed now, way more. Way more relaxed.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so you get to do a lot more of the time. talking, even though I'm talking over you right now. I, 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 don't I took lie, like that. 20 minutes to <laughs> ask a question, man. It was so bad. No, not so bad, but it was just, it was different. I was learning. I was on, yeah, I was starting something. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's very different to when you're starting out.
3: You were learning, yeah. We all have to, and it's fun when you look back. But the the self awareness gap is what I was pointing to there. Mm -hmm. That often there's a gap between our perception of ourselves and the reality of it. Like in my head, I sound like a British Harrison Ford, right? In reality, not so much. You know, (laughs) so it's (laughs) so it's. Do you see what I mean? So like like bridging that gap of perception because we all just feel normal. You could be super fiery or super watery, super passive, super aggressive, whatever. And you would just feel normal because you are used to that embodiment because you've been in it since Mm. your childhood patterns constructed it along with your culture when you were a
2: kid. Right. Right. And so this is trait. So trait is a lot of the stuff that we inherit. Well, inherent, inherent means like it's actually inheritance, which maybe that's where it comes from, but we inherently carry. That we're not even aware of. Um, I like the example you gave of like the taste of the inside of my own mouth. Um, You sort of just, yeah, completely oblivious to that one. Um, But it is, you know, and I like the example of what your home smells like, because you're absolutely right. I come home and it's like, I just went from outside to inside, but I know when I go to someone else's home, I'm like... Yeah, they cook They cook abs. something that I don't cook, <laughs> you know, or they do something that I don't do. Or these guys are like aromatherapy. <laughs> I'm going to get some of this going in my life, you know? Um, Yeah. So there's always that, there's always, always that tuning in. And I like how you articulate, because even as you mentioned, the mirroring piece, like getting people to mirror each other's walks. Um, yeah. There's just, I can see how much would open up in that because it's like, oh, I don't do that. And it's like, actually, yeah, you do. Um yeah. That'd be, that'd be really interesting. There's
3: just another embodiment teacher. I think it's Stuart Heller who says we walk through space like we walk through life. Mm. Right. Or we stand as we are, would be another version of that, of that same uh-huh. thing. Now we've got to be careful with that because people might, you know, I'm not saying that if someone's got a disability or they've got a funny legs, they fell off their bike yesterday or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. It's not about if you're tall or short or this or that. It's how you carry yourself.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And we have an intuitive sense of that. But then again, it becomes invisible. But We can develop it. You know, mm. My students work a lot with practices. So yes, you can change state. You could learn, you know, we have centering videos on centering and that kind of thing. Quick wins, good to teach on a short course. But, you know, I love to work with students over time. I mentor people over two years. Just got off the phone just a few hours ago to an Austrian um, mentee of mine and minor. I've been working with her for about a year and just talking about her I keto practice and you know she's gonna shift to karate because she wants something a bit more aggressive, more fiery. Mm. You know, and we we develop it over time. Meditation's a very good base, but adding a movement practice on top of that super useful.
2: Yeah, yeah. I love that. And just while we're on the topic of courses and and things, where's the best place for people to check out some of the your favorite? Yeah like some of, the, some of the things that are available for you. I know there's Embodied Facilitator um, where people can go check yeah, out more. The
3: best one is embodimentunlimited.com, embodimentunlimited.com and free videos there on, uh, you know, showing me coaching people, there's uh, eBooks people can download, some podcasts, embodiment mm. podcast, embodiment book. If you put the word embodiment into almost anything, something will probably come <laughs> up, but embodimentunlimited.com <laughs> is the one with kind of everything on if people want to. You know, yeah, free, awesome. free resources my, my. we'll add links to all
2: of that in the show notes below, bro. How do you, maybe this is just one of my pain points, but I'm going to speak to it anyway, Pardon me, audience, maybe some of you can relate, but when you start talking about state and you start talking about trait, like there's a part of me that goes, oh, okay. You know, like automatically starts to want to go there, obsess. Okay. With steak, yeah, yeah, you it's... know, how do you how do you temper that? Because and that's also not serving you, because then you're upregulating your nervous system about trying to downregulate it. If that makes sense. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, this is usually a stage people go through when they become hyper self-aware, mm. and that is normally dysregulating. Mm. um and most people will have there's various versions of that in different types of personal growth where i know you study language you start doing circling or nvc or something and then you start speaking weird and it's all a bit awkward Mm. um so there's a kind of awkward phase people can go through um and then you sort of learn not to give a shit Uh, often what i do is i teach clients to focus their attention back on the people they're serving right so as a coach a little bit of my attentions on myself just to check my state like hey am i too tired for this interview or hey am i you know relatively calm right now however most of my attentions on my coachee or you know the people i'm teaching you know most of it's there which doesn't leave much space for me to get kind of neurotic and anxious about my own self and sometimes in that period people can lose a bit of authenticity and then normally there's <laughs> a kind of naturalness on the other side of practice
2: Another question I've got is what are the top three sort of embodiment mistakes that you see people making and like, and not being embodied? Is it just not taking moments to pause? I imagine pausing is probably super vital. Uh, the, the
3: part of the current civilization. <laughs> if you
2: the, <laughs> the capitalistic I mean, model. Aside, society. A con- a He's not joking. He's not joking. He's not joking.
3: I mean, this is the best time to be alive, right? Like I wouldn't have <laughs> wanted it to be born in nineteen thirties or, you know, yeah. five hundred years ago. Yeah. You know, I have samurai fantasies occasionally, but I don't really want to live in <laughs> Japan. But I mean, the 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 context we're in is fast, mm. disembodied in the sense of we're in a disembodied age. It's super stressed, super fast, super technological. Yeah, the devices. disconnected from community, yeah, mm. disconnected from nature, and with a lack of movement. So if we want to be more embodied, they're the places to look, more nature. Like I did three hours of coaching today, walking around the clifftops on the beach here in Lagos, it's beautiful in Portugal. Mm. And, you know, that's a way I'm going to do way better coaching than sitting on my laptop kind of thing, you know. Um, So nature, community and connection, touch relationship, you know, without that we go crazy, as has been proven the last few years. Um, having an embodied, not having an embodied practice. Like you could read my book on embodiment, right? Um, Mm. Whatever, you could listen to a hundred podcasts, but it's better, you know, an ounce of practice is worth a ton of theory. Right. Saying that, having a little bit of a, you know, we've kind of mapped my embodied intelligence model today, which is is kind of helpful to have some theory, to know the territory, Mm. to have some community around practice is really helpful. You know, my meetings all get together. We have that accountability and feedback. Um, tech use is one to be a little bit careful of, but I don't want to demonize mm. it either. You know, bring if you bring movement, nature, community in your life, and just be a little cautious with your tech use, you're, you're gonna be getting a major upgrade. Like, that's a huge plus over the
2: average person. I love that. The one that's less intuitive in what you've described, um, because the other ones make sense. I love going for walks in nature, I love a healthy, even just like lying down sometimes for 20 minutes and just stretching out the tight bits in my body like really connecting into that doesn't necessarily have to be yoga I'm inspired by yin yoga in so many ways um, <laughs> but um yeah it just feels so good on the other side <laughs> um but the community connection touch relation piece yeah yeah it's um I love it obviously because well not obviously but my one of my highest but my highest value is connection um and so i i I just froth on it but to hear you say that um connection relationship it has this sense of other and when we're talking about embodiment i'm it it has these connotations of self about it like embodied within the self um and yet you're alluding to how important it is to have others around you that are also embodied within self um Mm -hmm. Can you describe that dance a little bit in terms of like how other helps well, embodiment
3: you? Embodiment allows. Embodiment allows connection. It's very different. This is you know, without embodiment, we're psychopathic. Actually, no one's that embodied, not that disembodied. But the the sense of by connecting to myself, it brings empathy online. It brings connection online. So those two things are intimately linked, they feed back to each other That's a bi directional positive feedback loop, right? Like, other people help us be embodied, but our embodiment helps us be with other people. And that, you know, for trauma, for example, sometimes that gets people get numb, and then they find it difficult to connect. And then the experiences don't go so well. And that can lead to vicious cycles. Yeah, it's one of the definitions of trauma. Um, And then there's the bigger body of the planet, the whole world so we we can almost think of you know the body the communal body the planetary body and they're all helpful to connect to uh we're just talking about connection really at the end of the day
2: Mm. you mentioned trauma a couple of times in this podcast is this part of the work that you help people do like move through some of that stuff with their bodies
3: yeah I mean I'm a, a trauma educator not a trauma therapist so I, this is part of the education I give all the coaches I work with, for example, because I just feel like they're missing a huge thing if they don't. Um, and then, you know, I've worked in a bunch of places um, that have had conflict or are having conflict. Around. You really have.
2: You've traveled to lots of different places where most people are walking the other way. <laughs> you're walking into <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed this or is this the first
3: yeah, time yeah i mean i lived in the slums of brazil i live in a circus in ethiopia when there was conflict there uh where else in afghanistan ukraine, like, you went like, to ukraine i've been to ukraine <laughs> this year twice i've been to israel palestine 20 times i mean what, yeah, is, I'm drawn what is driving
2: to you to do that what is wrong with you Mark? <laughs> no, no no not like, like, like that but like what is like, driving no, you to no, do that
3: uh you know i think there was unhealthy and healthy drivers so unhealthy driver when i was young is i had unhealed trauma from my own childhood mm. and i went to a war zone i just felt at home mm. and yeah whether it was a corporate war zone metaphorically or an actual war zone i just went oh yeah this fits my nervous system
4: mm.
3: right i remember going to israel and being like finally people who are running the right speed you know because mm. i was kind of hyper aroused And, you know, now after having done a lot of trauma healing, which is actually very helpful for embodiment, that'd be another top tip to be embodied. Mm. Just look at your trauma. There's lots of great embodiment techniques out there for that. TRE, somatic experiencing, these loads. Um, Now my motivation is much more, I think, coming from like, hey, because I get this, I have uh, this trust there. Mm -hmm. You know, I turn up in Ukraine and they're like, you wouldn't get this. And I'm like, yeah, I would. You know, mm-hmm. like I've had trauma personally and I've been, this isn't my first wall to be in and they get that and they go, oh, okay, and then I can teach them and, you know, actually, I, I don't sound too heroic in any of this, it's actually just kind of fun for me, mm-hmm. you know, And I, I wasn't taking unnecessary risks, for example, in Ukraine, it was mm-hmm. um, pretty measured. I wasn't on the front lines, I want to give people that impression. Um yeah, so now I just feel like it's just part of the gift and it's part of the human experience, sadly, around the world. And if you're going to mm. look at human beings, you have to at least understand trauma, intergenerational trauma, how that's passed on. The world's kind of got a bit obsessed with trauma since I started looking into it. It's become mm. a bit of a fashionable word, <laughs> And I, I think sometimes yeah. everyone's traumatized by their left elbow these days, you know, it's getting a little bit much. But, you know, because I'm I'm not particularly woke. I'm not particularly sensitive, politically correct. And there's Californian trauma and there's Ukrainian trauma, you know. Mm. But it's, um I, I think in a way that's a better problem to have than the previous problem, which was no one knew what it was and denied it. So it's it's awesome that people like, you know, Gabo Mate, or uh, there's so many, you know, yeah, there's so many great teachers out there. I've hosted mm. a lot of them on conferences and things. And, um you know, there's a lot of great stuff out there that p- people can find out for free, you know, now.
2: Hmm. one of the big things i'm taking away from this conversation is and maybe this is just where i've been poised recently is the nervous system just the regulation of the nervous system um because obviously i've noticed in myself that that's where my state does generally just start to relax into a more comfortable being but then also gives me an opportunity if i am to pick up on anything that is going to be a trait that could be worked with um it's probably going to be in that really relaxed chilled out sort of downregulated, sort of nervous system space um yeah. is that a safe takeaway from this conversation would the, would you feel comfortable with no. me taking that away from the conversation <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd want to add something to it so it's not a Please. bad one like we live in a stress world so most of us including me need to down-regulate a lot Yeah, you know um however there are people who need to up-regulate there's people who need mm-hmm. to you know actually find themselves more excited more expressive more alive you know there's right. different ways to do that the other thing is embodiment Certainly takes into account the nervous system, and you know, like people like Stephen Porges, people couldn't look up, do great stuff on the nervous system, polyvagal theory, great guy, yeah. Um, yeah. and Deb Stainer, who he works, is also a very good teacher, so it's a great thing to know about. But there's also the hormonal hormonal system, all right, like sl- slower burn, longer that's out there, you know, full of adrenaline or whatever, testosterone, mm. whatever. And then we could say fascial system, like how we're actually held together you know, that's the embodiment piece. So everyone's focusing on nervous system because it sounds scientific and you put up a slide with a brain on with a blob of color on and people believe anything you say. But, you know, there's actually a bit more to it than that, a bit more in depth. But I think there's a place to start for people just becoming aware of their state if you're running anxious or scared or aggressive mm. and then saying, hey, do I, do I want to stay in this for my own well-being? And do I want to transmit this to others? Maybe, maybe not.
2: Mm. I love
3: awareness that. and choice. Awareness and
2: choice. One of the interesting things, and I promise I'll let you go at some point, but I'm just loving this conversation. <laughs> no, I, know. I know it's gonna be uh, late for bro, you. Bro. I'm just enjoying myself, right? <laughs> you signed up for this. You made this uh, interesting comment at some point about, um, yeah, mindfulness is, is definitely spreading and it's been awesome. And, um, uh, I'm in awe of the fact that it's actually become more more and more mainstream more and more mainstream people yeah it just I can have conversations with people that I've always wanted to have um yeah and I can only imagine the evolution that you've witnessed having been doing this work for so much longer like for me it's been six years and even six years ago was such a different territory now um to what it is now having said that there was this really important piece that I was like you really got me stopping to reflect upon was mindfulness and meditation is super helpful But it doesn't by virtue of itself instill virtue within you
3: instill virtue
2: within you. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: Can you unpack that a little bit? Because I found that really interesting. It's, it's, it's paused me to reflect a lot.
3: Well, mindfulness could make you a, you know, a better sniper or a better pickup artist or something else, right? Like you know, their actual context where my- People don't talk
2: stay. about that, bro. Expand on that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so I was at a, an event with some of the big tech companies in the world, a big uh, conference. And I put my hand up, asked a question. I said, are we just putting knives into the hands of dangerous children? Mm. Like any tool can be used or misused, right? So that's one way of looking at mindfulness. But it's also, you know, from a traditional Buddhist point of view, I'm trained to have Therabhat and Buddhist monastic stays and fairly long retreats and things actually ethics is intertwined with mindfulness mm. it's just not normally taught that way in the modern context right. it's taught as this sort of consumer panacea and it's modern life is sending us crazy mm. <laughs> you know? mm. and then it's like oh go do yoga go do mindfulness that's the solution and that's the band-aid for a gaping wound i would say yeah. so a i think we have a problem with making sure the kind of ethical side of it and mindfulness is taught a deeper level where there is an ethical integration. So just to give an example of how that might work, if I'm more aware of my body, I'm more aware, if I do harm to someone, it will feel bad to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that like that naturally brings out like, hey, I I don't wanna feel crappy, so I'm not gonna turn crappy to you, Yeah. So ethics can come from mindfulness just naturally, though I think there is still this risk of it just simply being used and misused. Um, yeah, and the second piece there is, like, let's look at the wider context here. Yeah? Like, like yeah, mindfulness, yeah, yoga, these personal growth tools, and like, you know, I meditate every single day. That's a core practice for me every morning. However, there is a big context, and nature, community, there's other pieces there.
2: Thank He's you so, so much for tuning into in to this amazing so episode of the Inspired Evolution. The Without you, the no, Inspired no, no, Evolution really Tribe, this, this podcast would not be know. what it is today. Yes, yeah, especially Thank you, you. So much yeah, for your love and your support. And Thank and you, to your your support. Support. Thank you so carry much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. It's. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired really, Evolution on really, really YouTube, time. the home of the Inspired um, Evolution's and and video podcast. We release inspiring conversations conversation such as this every think. week, oh, along with guided meditations and empowering you insights <laughs> all designed to help well, you yes, grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes <laughs> so that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, try remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. And I'm sure many of you did love Mark's style, so links to all of his offerings in the show notes below as well. So please do go check them out. Mark, on behalf of myself and the Inspired Evolution Tribe, Tribe, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate you so much. We're wishing you all the best, mate. Thank you again.
3: Thank you, I'm ripped. pleasure.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever
1: felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.